Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to provide my listeners with what I call permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. This epidemic has now, as I see it, been become worldwide, and we need to address this problem because it is now just basically penetrated work. It's penetrated schools. It's penetrated families. It's in politics, as you can see, with all of the uh, things that go on during an election. Uh, Nobody really knows what one person can do. All they talk about is what the other person is not doing. And there's a lot of it in the world. And I would like to do my best, do my best. And I hope that you do yours to try and stop this this epidemic from spreading any further. If you haven't already done so, please go to the bullyproofclassroom.com. That's bullyproofclassroom.com. And right at the very top, there's a spot where you can subscribe to become a premium member. As a premium member, you would you would be able to have access to courses, tips, strategies, premium podcasts, videos. You're going to get 43 years of my experience in that premium in that premium area and I ask that you go there. This is all all some of the courses are worth well over $100 and they're 8 to 10 hour courses, but this is for for my premium members, it would be $9.97 per month. $9.97 per month, and you have access to everything. And that will include my store, which is on bullyproofclassroom.com. So I would appreciate everyone if, 
appreciate it if everyone would do that. Now, today we have with us, as my very special guest, Dr. Sharon Kennedy. And Dr. Kennedy is a practicing psychologist in the Middle East who has taught thousands of clients how to successfully manage anxiety, stress, and depression. She teaches her clients psychological skills based on neuroscience findings that will quickly and effectively reduce anxiety and help them manage difficult emotions. And by today's standards, everybody seems to have difficult emotions. And this, this, this COVID-19 environment has produced a tremendous amount of emotional difficulty for many people. Dr. Kennedy loves helping people learn about and understand their amazing brain so they can make sense of the way they think, feel, and behave. She uses powerful tools and strategies to change what doesn't work for them. And she really wants to teach people how to stay calm, capable, and confident, even in the face of fear, confusion, and problems, which it seems like the world is always filled with those. Dr. Kennedy, I welcome you to Anti-Bullying 101. And as I've said to you earlier, I so appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be able to talk to you. Oh, it, it, it's absolutely my pleasure. You know, I, I have often said uh, that people don't really know when something is wrong with them. They, 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 they question their behavior, and oftentimes they don't realize that they're a compilation of what people have said to them and what people have done to them over the years. And what I want to know is what is, because people need a definition of it, what is anxiety? And how can someone begin to recognize it? And when do they, when should they start getting worried? And when is it an okay to have it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I guess we could start by thinking that pretty much all of us have got anxiety because we've got a brain that's just like that. So there's part of our brain that's always worrying about things or it's very concerned about our survival. So part of our brain is always anxious. Mm-hmm. But, we, but when when it gets too anxious or we get too stressed or we start to feel we don't want to go places or do things, then we know, well, then it's a good time to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah. I mean, anxiety would be less of a problem if we didn't think so much. So lucky for us, we have a thinking brain that loves to think. And the more we think about things and the language we use with that thinking, that can make our anxiety get even worse. So part of or a part of the problem with anxiety is is the way we think and how we talk to ourselves and the words that we use. Does that does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah. it, it certainly does. You know, and if I was to um, have anxiety, mm-hmm. which, as you said, as you said, most people do. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I guess I guess there's a rank and file on the anxiety. Like you know, it could be high one day and low the next, and 
and so on. What does it look like? True. What does it look like? I mean, you're right in so far as, yes, it goes up and down, and that's fine as long as it's not up for long periods of time and stays that way. So, yeah, if it goes up and down, that's kind of normal. So what does it look like? It it feels like uncomfortable. It feel it feels unpleasant because there's only one emotion in anxiety and that's fear. So that's a pretty unpleasant emotion. And so you'll feel it in your body, you'll think it in your thinking, you'll feel it in the way that you um you might feel you you unable to concentrate, you might struggle to remember things, you might feel like you don't want to go places or talk to people, depending on how it affects you. So you'll notice that it, you just don't feel good. And if it goes on for too long, it's a good idea to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think oftentimes um, people have to ask themselves what they're afraid of. Yeah. Uh, does that make does that make sense to you? You know. Yeah. Um. Well, it's yeah. I guess it's good to kind of think about it. Um. Yeah. Um. I mean, we're afraid of all things, primarily just out of interest. Most of us are afraid of the fear because it feels so awful. So feeling the fear is enough to make us want to do things to not to feel it. So we overthink or we might avoid doing things, or we distract ourselves, or we do lots of things. Like even today, you see people playing with phones. and All these distraction things help keep our minds busy so that we're not feeling that unpleasant feeling or dealing with that awful fear. Mm -hmm. I teach a course in brain-based learning. Uh, and, and it goes over, there is some anatomy involved and, um, there is uh, a lot of it directed at teachers. So it, it gives them skills to be able to create what's called whole brain activities. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, uh, one of the problems that my students, meaning the teachers who I, I work with, is yeah. they're, see, they're seeing a tremendous amount of this uh, in their in their students in the classroom. Yes, uh, yes. yeah. Um, and they don't, you know, they're not, and and you know, being in a, the, the the course that they're taking on brain based learning, uh, they would like to be able to deal with students who have anxious feelings so what actually and and i would love to know this because i'll share this podcast with my uh, many of my students what goes on in your brain when you feel anxious what's really happening what happens to your brain what's going on up there you mean what why are brains why are brains persistently anxious when maybe they don't need to be so anxious is that is that kind Uh, of what you're saying yeah, that's that. That's a good way to put it. But is there is there some type of ke- uh, chemical imbalance, or is it environmental? Uh, it's probably a combination of both. But what really happens to your brain? What goes on up there? I mean, that, that's a really interesting question. And when you talk about, I'm sure there probably are chemical and 
stuff in there, but I, I come at this from a, a thinking cognitive perspective, and, and this is how I would describe it to you. You could think about your brain as actually developing in three over its ev- over the evolutionary period, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you think of that, there's, a, there's a, a very old brain at the top of our spine, which is the reptilian brain. Okay, so this is the one that was been there for what a couple of hundred thousand years ago, but it's our survival based brain. So this is the brain that's very much negative and very much focused on looking for scary things or looking for cues in the environment that might possibly threaten your survival, even if they don't, which is a very different brain to the mammalian brain that you have between your ears, which is your feeling brain and the prefrontal cortex, which you have in your forehead. So those brains are not the ones that are responsible for this fear response. So the fear response is coming from that reptilian brain, which is naturally drawn to to survival negative information. So Mm -hmm. it's not like your brain's going to wake up in the morning and tell you a lot of positive things, because it just doesn't do that. It's interested in fear. It's interested in 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 making sure that you're okay. So because it's attuned to negative stuff, it's constantly picking up these things and thinking about them and interpreting them. And when that continues to go on, then that makes you a very anxious brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are probably chemical um, things going on in there, but that's really not something that I have studied extensively. So I'm looking more at the language of how brains interpret those fear responses and how they, what they, what you think and what you, how you feel in response to the fear that makes the anxiety keep on going. Yeah. 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 And, and, and interestingly enough, uh, one of the things that I teach is um, that all incoming information has to go through the emotions before it can get processed. Um, yes. Yes, and and when yes. the emotions are under stress, the incoming mm. information gets blocked, and the the brain and the primary responsibility being survival of its owner, yes, uh, will, yes. will always da- downshift into that reptilian brain. Yes, you're so right. You're quite right because that's because your brain's attuned to negative. It's not. It, it sort of disregards positive information because. Pretty sunsets and things don't keep you alive, but knowing that that's a lion over there is really important to an old brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although right. it, isn't, it isn't a lion over there, but that doesn't stop our brain negatively interpreting everything around us from that perspective. So, so then, then you get a prefrontal cortex that's always thinking or often thinking naturally negatively. Interesting. Mm. It's very interesting, you know. And, and, and you, you know, and we all like to think of the power of positive thinking. Yeah. And meanwhile, we're wired to think negatively because we're always in. We're basically always in survival mode. Yeah, but it's interesting because you can put that positive thinking in there. It's just that you have to do it as opposed to letting your brain do it automatically. So, so if you sort of remind yourself, hey, brain, hey, this is a lovely day and, and I feel good that I'm doing this and this, this, this is lovely to see my friend over there, 
then your brain has got that input in, into your head, which is why positive psychology is really helpful. Right. Mm, interesting. I know mm. that uh, we had spoken and you had shared some information about one of the principles that I, I spoke about, and that was uh, design in, in, yes. in one of my yes. podcasts. Yes. And and the the negativity that came from bullying uh, in my own life, this is in my own life, yeah. uh, really affected my thoughts and my feelings and behavior moving forward. And your role, one of your goals is how to teach people to stay calm, capable, mm -hmm. and confident. And when your brain, I, I, I believe that when kids, their brains can get overloaded with such negativity that calmness is like the furthest thing from their mind. True. That's that, and that's true. So, I mean, the number one treatment for anxiety is always the same, and I'm sure you've probably heard about it. It's being able to sit for a moment and breathe into your body deeply and strongly, right into your belly. Because when you can do that, you can use your breath to calm your body, which in turn calms your brain. And that's sort of bypassing all of the thinking that's happening. So there is nothing I think that's as powerful or as effective or as useful as being able to use your breath to calm your body, which in turn calms your mind. Um, how so can we manage this? Go ahead. I, I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go. No, you go. Well, how can we manage this? I mean, we, in, based upon what you just told me, we instinctively do things that keeps the anxiety going. Yes. And sometimes yes. make it worse. What are some of the things that we instinctively do, you know, I mean, to, to make yeah. it worse? Yeah. And there are, there, um, there, are, there are a number of things that happen, but there are two primary things that we all do intuitively and with good reason, that actually make it worse. And so if we can work on these things, then we know how to manage this much better. So the two things are the one we just talked about, which is negative thinking. In other words, we know your brain is going to give you a whole lot of negative thoughts, but if you can actually sit there and be mindfully aware of them and do we have ways of, of, of managing that thinking, redirecting that thinking, substituting the language in that thinking. Any of those ways to manage that thinking will mean that the negative thinking is not so powerful. So that's the first way. And the other way is something we all do just automatically, and that's avoid the very things that make us scared. Because when you think about it for your entire life, every time you put your hand, say, on something hot that it burns, your your natural instinct, and quite rightly so, is to move away from the pain. And so when we talk about brains, we're asking you to actually turn towards those feelings rather than run away, which just doesn't make common sense, yes? And so... The very things that scare us, like standing up for ourselves, like asking for what we want, for going places or tackling things that we feel afraid of, those very things 
will help your brain feel more confident and calm and it will bring your anxiety down. Mm. So those two factors, are the. there are loads of other factors, but these are the key ones in here. So managing negative thinking and managing or turning towards or deal, yeah, turning towards things that make you afraid. But in the main, most of the times we're afraid of our own fear, of our own feelings. And so being able to, to, to acknowledge those will make all the difference. And basically what you may be suggesting here is um, that anxiety can almost be a learned behavior and we have to help our brain unlearn some of those things. Am, am I accurate in that? I think that's very, very, very accurate because, I mean, I guess we are naturally anxious because reptilian brains are naturally anxious, but we, we do as we go through life and we have, and then there's plenty of negative experiences in life and life's hard. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, able to manage our thinking or this is where mindfulness comes into it is being mindfully aware of how you think and mindfully aware of how you feel and mindfully aware of what you do. And when you have that awareness of how your brain works and, and how you can, manage it somehow, how you can intervene in here, then you can manage those difficult times when your brain is naturally quickly anxious. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned, um, you know, the deep breathing and yes. working on your negative thinking, you know, yes. to help with anxiety. And yes. you, you touched uh, and the negative thinking, are you a fan of cognitive behavioral therapy? Yes, yes, because that's what I'm using a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Can Are you, you familiar you, with that? I'm sorry? Are you familiar uh, with, with cognitive behavior therapy, CBT? Uh, yes, I am. Um, basically, to me, from some of the reading that I've done, it's, it's thought substitution. Trying to sub – because if I told you not to think of a pink elephant – Yes. The first thing that would come into your mind would be the pink elephant. Uh, Definitely, you're I, so right. <laughs> and I also have come to terms with the fact that the brain deletes the word don't. So rather than telling me don't do myself, don't do something, I should be telling myself what I need to do. Um, so... Mm. I am yeah. some I am somewhat familiar with it, but could you explain to my audience what CBT is? Um, yes, uh, yes. Okay, so so CBT is based on the idea that's come out of the research in the last twenty years that brains are adaptable, and brains are, are changeable, and brains are capable of building new neural pathways okay so that's where what we're saying is brains oh, you probably have heard it as brain plasticity so we we have learned over the last couple of decades that brains are able to rewire themselves which isn't something we didn't know sort of going back 20 30 years ago and we know this happens throughout people's lives so even older people are able to rewire their brain so CBT is based on the idea that you can 
intervene in the way you think and feel and change those those thoughts and feelings. And we do it all over the time. So CBT, you can think of it perhaps simply like this. Just imagine that everything that's in your environment, that's around you, every person interprets what's going on around them very, very differently. So imagine however you process what's going in your inside your head about what's going on around you. So when you're processing information, CBT is really how you process that information. It's building an awareness of I'm thinking this way, I'm feeling this way, and then making the changes. And so a good therapist is going to help you make those changes, changes in the way you think, changes in the way you feel, and changes in the way you behave. And we have loads of strategies for all of these three things. They're all different, and people try experiment different ways of changing their thinking and feelings and behavior, and they pick the ones that work for them. And every brain is different, so people just pick the strategies that work for them. But we know with practice, you're so right, a lot of this is learned behavior, so we have to unlearn it. So habitually, we change time after time after time, and yes, it does change. I've seen it change. Not literally, <laughs> but I've seen, I have, I've, I know that, that people can do this. It happens all of the time. You know, I've often said that people have five different responsibilities, thoughts, words, actions, attitudes, and motives. They, yeah. they become, they become a person's personal responsibilities and if they worry too much about what's happening outside of them, they're yeah. not taking responsibility for who they are and what they're doing. Yeah, and, and thinking does factor into anxiety. And, and we may have touched on this, but why is it such a problem for someone just to get a grip on their thoughts. I, I, I know that, you know, we're wired negatively and so on, but you want someone to be happy within themselves. And how come they allow their thinking to go, at times it can go wild and they could start thinking of things that just, they, they believe untruths, if you will, either about themselves or about a situation. How come that's so difficult? Yeah. I mean, and it's and you're right. That's true. I have seen, I've well, I haven't seen. I've heard people tell me stories about themselves that are terrifying, and and it's terrifying believing that about yourself. And so the thinking becomes totally out of control. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like they lose sense of 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 who they are in there. I mean. <sighs> I mean, this is a really good question, and it's probably different for different people, but you, I like to think of it like this. If, if, you, if you have the ability to think or to notice that you're thinking, okay, I'm thinking this thing. I am thinking that I'm feeling angry about something. And if you have the ability to notice what you feel, like I feel angry about something, I'm sad about something, then obviously there is somebody who's doing the noticing. So there's a, there's a difference between you and your brain, which is thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. so 
conceptually and in truth probably, we're saying to you that you are not your thoughts and you are not your feelings. And so if you are just having feelings, I think to answer your question a little bit, I think sometimes people's thoughts and feelings get out of control and instead of them kind of being able to be calm and be grounded and be strong in themselves, they kind of get lost in them. Mm. Whereas I think if you're grounded somewhere in there and you can breathe back into your body and push your feet into the floor and anchor into the earth, sometimes you you, you can manage that scary thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. I'm not, yeah, but this is only it's only just one way of looking at it because there's probably lots of reasons why that thinking gets I mean people if people are traumatized it's very easy to get lost in your fear very very easy which is another which is another show that we'll do on post traumatic stress disorder uh we'll we'll yeah. have, we'll have yeah. to schedule another time for that discussion um, okay and I, and I think that you, you probably answered my next question it is you, you have to you have to ask yourself, am I my thoughts or my and my feelings or am I the am I what other people have told me I am? I yeah. mean, I, I know myself, my my confidence was was pretty well you know, in the toilet, if you will, um, you know, when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And and you do carry that with you throughout throughout life. And I think um, uh, developing a purpose is what really changed me uh, yeah. in terms of yeah. in terms of having something to do where I was making a contribution kind of for the good of the cause. Um, and yeah. So that that's just one one piece that I think helped me a lot. The the, mm-hmm. the, the last couple of questions, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the new word that we have, you know, being mindful, yes. mindful of things. How can I hear this all the time? I mean, mindful eating, mindful thinking, mindful exercising. Yes. What does all, all that mean? Uh, I mean, it can be very complex because there's whole books written on it, isn't there? But, I mean, for, and when I'm thinking about it, I'm just asking you to be mindful. In other words, to pay attention to, the, to what you're thinking, to pay attention to what you're feeling, and to know that there's a difference between thoughts and feelings, yeah, because they live in different places in our bodies, and they respond, they 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 play out completely differently. So there are many people, because I've met many people who who can't hear their thinking and, and many people can't find or know what they feel. And so it's a, it's a big thing to be mindful of what you think and what you feel because that's an awareness that comes with practice and it comes with being able to be at one almost with yourself in order to to hear that stuff. So, I mean, there's much more to mindfulness than, than I've just said, but I, when I was using it in that context, that's all I'm saying is just to be aware of it. Mm, you got to pay attention. 
Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, you need to know yourself, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do, and you have to, and and you you, you said it beautifully, you got to ask yourself sometimes, who am I? I mean, who am I and and what am I about? And if if I'm comfortable enough in my own skin, no one's going to give me a hard time um, in terms of trying to convince me that I'm something that I'm not. True. Yeah, that's the ability to anchor into yourself, isn't it? Yep. Well, as you say, it's the anchor. Uh, I mean, to me, it's probably not believing, um, in other words, not believing the lie, you know? Yes. Uh, and doing my best to try and and convince myself that, you know, what they're saying just doesn't make sense. And these are things that, that I have uh, worked on over the years, uh, believe me, and I've spent some time with it, and it. And everything that you're saying is absolutely so helpful. We're talking to Dr. Sharon Kennedy. She is a psychologist from the Middle East. She's been kind enough to join me on Anti-Bullying 101, and we're talking about anxiety and some ways we can overcome it. And that leads me to my last question, uh, is Dr. Kennedy, and that's what's the number one way to manage anxiety? Um, and, and I'm going to take you back to where I before when I said breathing. Yeah, this is the number one thing that I start with because it, it in it's going to calm your body and it bypasses all of the thinking that you have in your head and it calms. The reptilian brain is monitoring breathing, eating, sleeping, and all of that stuff. And so just taking a deep breath, anchoring into yourself, is going to be the most powerful thing you can do. Deep breathing. Mm, I have yeah. to. Now, uh, now are, there, would, are there books on breathing and so on that teach you how to do that, I guess, that, that real deep breathing through your through your diaphragm and so on, do they have books on that? There's plenty of there's plenty of those breathing exercises on YouTube. Um, I'm sure they probably do have books on it. <laughs> um, but any breathing will do because most of us just breathe shallowly, okay? We just breathe at the top of our, of our chest, which in itself really means we're not oxygenated anyway. And so that makes even that's going to make your brain a little bit more anxious than it would be normally. So just the ability to oxygenate deeply throughout your body is going to to calm that reptilian brain because this is a brain that's monitoring your body. It's monitoring your breathing. And so, so this is why it's important always to make sure you're eating well, sleeping well, exercising well. All of those things are part of that brain's responsibility. So when you're not eating well, when you're not sleeping well, you will be more anxious just because your body is out of kilter with how it should be. Okay. Dr. Kennedy, I learned a lot by talking to you this morning. I, I And I, once again, as I said, I so appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience? Do you have a website? Uh, that you'd like to share? 
Um, yes, I do. Actually, yes, I have a website at www.stillmind.net. Um, and and I actually have another one too. It's um, www.cbtabadabi.ae. Um, yes. Okay. So that's uh, www.stillmind.net. Yes, and www.cbtabadabi.ae. Okay. If you haven't written those down, folks, do it. I'm sure that you'll get a whole lot uh, of information that you may need or that someone else may need uh, from uh, Dr. Kennedy's uh, websites. Uh, in, in roughly 35 minutes, she gave me a, um, a short in-service on uh, dealing with this problem of anxiety, how to overcome it, and taught me that breathing's pretty important. So it, it, it more information that I have to look into. I'm 66 years old and nobody is done learning. Uh, I think that we all need to learn something. And Dr. Kennedy, you were a great teacher today. And <laughs> Thank I, you so I, much. I, I so appreciate it. Um, we are going to um, end the interview very shortly. But before we do, uh, can I ask you to stay on the line with me once we uh, end the interview just for a few moments? Certainly. Yeah, of course. Okay, I'd appreciate that. Uh, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. We just got through with a dynamic interview with Dr. Sharon Kennedy, a psychologist from the Middle East. Uh, and she has been working with clients all over the world, trying to help them feel much more capable, connected, calm, and confident. Uh, and she is a great resource for anyone who wants to help manage their own anxiety, some stress, and depression. Dr. Kennedy, I thank you once again for being on the show, and I certainly hope that we can do it again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed being able to talk. Thank you, Dr. Kennedy. Well, there you have it. That was Dr. Sharon Kennedy. Uh, she did give me a short in-service on how to manage anxiety, how to manage your thoughts, and you know, don't sell yourself short, folks. You can overcome anxiety. She just gave you many tips on how to do it. That deep breathing is something that I need to practice myself. Also, don't lose sight of the fact that we all have to practice overall health. Good sleeping, good eating, uh, exercising, they all help in the process of overcoming anxiety. If you have anxiety, it's not a death sentence. You can work to manage it, you can work to control it, and it all starts with your thoughts. Remember, I've often spoken about thoughts, words, actions, attitudes, and motives, and what you think you may act on. What you think you may say and your anxiety can lead you to say and do things that maybe you don't want to do or you may be impulsive. So 
Follow Dr. Kennedy's advice. I think she has a wealth of knowledge that will help folks deal with their anxiety, depression, and help them feel more capable, confident, calm, and confident. Um, the website stillmind.net and that that's her website stillmind.net and uh, CBT Edudabi. Uh, oh boy, I forgot. You'll have to uh, um, listen to the podcast to get the the second website there. I apologize for that, but she did mention it. Um, great interview with Dr. Kennedy. My name is Jim Burns. You are listening to Anti Bullying One Hundred and One. I would encourage you to please go to my website, bullyproofclassroom.com. Take advantage of the premium podcast membership. What you get for $9.97 a month is unbelievable. It's courses, it's strategies, it's tips, it's premium podcasts. It is a wealth of information. Stuff is going up there weekly that you can, uh, when you subscribe, you'll get this information. So take the opportunity to subscribe. It costs about $100 a year, $110 a year, $9.97 a month. It's a recurring payment. It's no big deal. And it would it will definitely help you deal with bullying. You'll get courses that can, will award you 8 to 10 hours of credit of, of professional development credit. If you happen to be a teacher, this is something that you're always looking for and you don't want to spend a lot of money. And here you're spending $9.97 and you're getting courses and you're getting a lot of tips and strategies. And in this virtual world, we need a lot of virtual information and this offers some of that. And I think that anyone who subscribes will will not be sorry and they'll end up with a with a great buy. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I appreciate you as my listening audience. I hope you join me again for my next episode, which will be coming up next week. Also, I have a, another uh, podcast that I'm doing. It's called Trauma Stories, where I encourage people to send in stories, or they can come on the show and they can be interviewed. If you'd like to send me information or you'd like to schedule an interview, uh, just email me at traumastories1955 at gmail.com. That's traumastories1955 at gmail.com. I promise you I'll get back to you in 24 hours or less. I think that that would be um, an an excellent way for folks to share their stories and discuss some of the things that they've done. It's designed to give people hope. It's designed to give people an opportunity for change. And if you have suffered from trauma, either domestic or um, uh, school-wide bullying in the community, uh, if you've had difficulty where you were physically abused or you were emotionally abused, Or maybe you were a a veteran and you came back and you have post-traumatic stress disorder. 
I think some of what Dr. Kennedy shared would be of great help to you. So if you'd like to be on the show, it's trauma stories1955 at gmail.com. Once again, my name's Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101. We'll be back at you next week. Hope you enjoyed the show, and I ask that you all have a great day and that you be well. Take care, everybody.